So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. An author of two books, Shame Off You and 31 Days to Hope Reinvented, Denise is a CCM artist, speaker, podcaster, and a worship leader on staff at her church who writes, sings, and proclaims God's goodness based on her real-life experiences. She blogs weekly devotions to encourage her online followers and shares her music and messages at retreats and conferences, worship services, festivals, and events. Denise holds a BA degree in music performance from the University of Maryland and is a homeschool mother of five, a peanut butter pizza aficionado, and a lover of God. She is married to her amazing husband, Clay, who ministers with her at music events. When she is not ministering at conferences, writing books or songs, you can find her spending time at home with her family. You can find her ministry at www.denisepass.com. Hello, Denise. Hey there. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being my guest today. I appreciate your time and I'm looking forward to this, this conversation. Me too. So we, as we read in your bio, you are a speaker, singer, songwriter, and author. Such a triple threat. What role <laughs> has music played in your life? You know, that is a loaded question. How much time do you have? <laughs> as, as long as you want. <laughs> well, music has been a huge part of my walk with God and even my salvation. When I was 19 years old, the Lord drew me to himself through music on my radio alarm clock. I had set my alarm clock to a secular classic rock station. And three mornings in a row, my radio alarm clock uh, was set to a Christian station that I hadn't set it on. Mm. And on the third morning, I decided I was going to listen. The first two mornings, I'm like, I'm not listening to that. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, I just felt this conviction. I needed to listen. And so I gave my life to Christ right there in my bedroom. I called the radio station. And then shortly thereafter, I mean, that day I got rid of my secular music and the Lord began to give me songs on the piano right after I was saved. Um, I had been a brass musician at the University of Maryland and God changed my instrument and my voice. Uh, And so I've been a part of leading and serving on worship teams for about 30 years now. Well, and, you know, just hearing your voice, even talking to you, it even sounds good. Even just your tone, just talking to you. Uh, (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) Yes. And so you actually also host your own podcast. You have two. One is Mm -hmm. titled Seeing Deep and the other is titled Black and White. And with Black and White, you host um, with Angela Donadio. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Donadio, though that is an interesting uh, (laughs) pronunciation. That's that's my Kentucky version. (laughs) (laughs) So on this, um, on this, these, this podcast, you talk about radical grace, raw truth, and real hope in a gray world. 
So when listeners tune in, what would they expect to hear through your conversations? Yeah, so the Black and White podcast, it's just been about a year now, um, and my co-host, Angela Donadio, and I have carved out a place where we don't try to be politically correct, and everyone said amen, <laughs> but we also don't try to be controversial. Yeah. Our heart is to communicate God's truth in our culture and to reach people in a way that they can receive. You know, God's word has the answers to problems in our society today. You know, the things that happen now that we are so shocked by have been happening for thousands of years. (laughs) So the Bible is relevant and Christians sometimes struggle to communicate his truth with grace and humility and hope. You know, a lot of times you hear about people Bible, you know, hitting people over, over the head with the Bible. And but the biblical worldview is increasingly being lost and considered archaic. So I believe, you know, God has called us to be a voice in this world. Mm-hmm. And we want to equip our audience to be that voice. Uh, Proverbs 31, 8 through 10 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. And so a lot of times we'll talk about some issues in our culture, trying to bring light to things, you know, we're called to be that light and people can find the podcast on our, on my website, also on black and white org. So the black and white podcast is addressing problems in our society from scripture. Uh, if I could share some episodes coming up on that. Sure, um, yeah. In February, we're addressing the gay rights agenda and gender confusion. Uh, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> you're starting. We're not. <laughs> yeah, you're not afraid of the big issues. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's it was probably the hardest episodes recorded so far. Yeah, really. Yeah, I'm sure. In March, we're discussing the gift of life and addressing abortion. In April, we're going to be defending our faith wisely in our culture, seeking to understand what leads people to agnosticism and atheism. But the Seeing Deep podcast is a preparation of our heart. It's discipling listeners through a biblical filter. You know, as we are willing to examine our hearts, then we're ready for that mission of God to our culture, which is where Black and White podcast takes us. And so it's based on my ministry, Seeing Deep, Mm -hmm. where we see deep in a shallow world and we view life through a biblical lens and dive into God's word for the answers to life's problems. I think a lot of times we want to be ready with an answer for our society, but we haven't been ready in God's word first. Mm, And so, yeah, that's what I think seeing deep is. In in February, we're talking about being whole and holy in a fallen world. And in March, uh, finding real joy in a fake world. So that's a bit lengthy, but trying to explain what the podcasts are doing. (laughs) Well, no, that's all um, very good information for us. And Um, That brings me to my next question for you. So on your website, you encourage readers to see deep in a shallow world. Would you share some practical tips about how to rise above and how to live victoriously? Sure. Because, you know, we can have little catchphrases, can't we? Yes. We can. Oh, yeah, go do this. And it's like, how? Right. (laughs) And I think we make things so complicated and we keep things so shallow. You know, we'd rather take the easy way out. We crave comfort. But God is calling us to a deeper place, and it actually might hurt to get there. Mm. Proverbs 2, 7 says, He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. 
This blamelessness is not something we could achieve on our own. Yet God commands us to be holy as he is holy. He's called us to live a victorious, abundant life. And I think of 1 John 5 through 4 says, or 5 verse 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. A lot of times Christians are not so victorious. We are beaten down by a lost world and we forget the mission we're called to. When troubles come, that is our mission. To live out real faith in the face of pain and shame and to offer a hope the world does not have. True joy and peace in the midst of affliction. Being equipped in God's word and living out our faith by seeking him daily and being in fellowship with other like-minded believers who hold us accountable. This is how we rise above and live victoriously. Mm. Well, in, in 2017, you published 31 Days of Hope Reinvented. What was the inspiration for this project? Well, you know, I think, you know, we all want a different testimony than the one we end up with, right? Mm, yeah. I had my testimony that I liked just fine. There was (laughs) some hardship and pain, you know, a little mix in there, some health problems, but I could be proud of my testimony. I waited for marriage, home educated my children all the way through, married a Christian man, but by the discovery of sex abuse being in my home and my now ex-husband being a sex offender and pedophile was not the testimony I wanted for myself or my children. I had a public ministry before that devastating, painful revelation, but I did not want to stick my head out again. So I began to blog under a pseudonym I called Seeing Deep. Mm -hmm. My husband now, who I call my kinsman redeemer, encouraged me to continue writing music and my blog, but I was so steeped in shame, I was honestly afraid to step out with my name. And so the book, 31 Days to Hope Reinvented, came from blogging. I needed to find hope that rose above the hopes in this world. And those hopes have been blown away by my new reality. God brought me through an incredible journey in the search for hope that could withstand the greatest sorrows. And so 31 Days to Hope Reinvented is a journey through grief and disillusionment, depression and pain that ends up in perfect joy, peace and hope. That cannot be taken away. As I wrote uh, Hope Reinvented, I call it too, I learned that misplaced hopes found their home in Christ alone. He is our hope. Mm-hmm. Well, concerning hope, you, you also say if we had everything that we wanted, there would be no reason for hope. But this lack within us reminds us of our need for something greater than this life could afford, our need of God. If listeners are feeling hopeless today, how would you suggest that they overcome this feeling? You know, first, I really like to be real with my listeners and readers. You know, I understand hopelessness. Mm -hmm. You know, we all get that. And I think a lot of times we can hear these, again, these catchphrases and people don't really know how to apprehend it. Yeah. The the psalmist, I'll tell you what, I spend a lot of times in the Psalms, (laughs) but he understands Psalm 34, 17 through 20 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. I think our problem 
is that our faith is hurt when our problems continue. Mm. You know, we see this, this scripture here. It talks about, hey, the Lord delivers you out of them all. And, you know, the scripture says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Jesus promised us troubles in this world, but he also promised us that he overcame them all. We can too with God. But what does that deliverance look like? I think we aren't sure we trust God when life is hard. We interpret his promises as meaning problem-free. But God's word is brimming with hope, real hope, not temporary hope. The solution is, like the psalmist suggests too, it's to get into his word. A daily Bible reading plan is what I use, Mm -hmm. but you can use whatever. There's no perfect formula. And his word is our counselor. We often don't use it and apply it to our lives. God has hope for you that is not dependent upon circumstances. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know this, right? This scripture that God has a future hope for us. But our problem is we don't recognize when God spoke that promise. You know, the Israelites were suffering and he spoke that promise. And I look at, at Psalm 27, 14, it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Our hope is not just a dream. It is an expectation of a certain outcome. God's promises are yes and amen. We can be confident that we will see his goodness right now. I think the struggle for Christians is also that we define goodness as having a perfect life. Yeah. You know, prosperity, faith. But God's goodness is not based on life being good or perfect. Life is an incredible gift. Even the painful moments are gifts when we walk through them with God. Our God is with us. That is our hope. Mm, Yeah. God, Emmanuel, God with us. That's beautiful, Mm. Denise. Thank you. So your, Mm -hmm. your newest book release is titled Shame Off You. And it's a book to move readers from hiding to healing. And in this book, you share how freedom can be found in choosing to break the cycle of shame by learning from the past. And you have courageously shared, and you just alluded to, um, what you have learned the hard way that God is faithful. So would you share your own testimony of what your past has taught you? Sure. You know, the past can be a hard teacher. (laughs) Yes. We often want to bury it, as I talk about, and you mentioned hiding to healing, but it is how we respond to the past that defines us, not our past itself. Mm -hmm. Shame snuffs out joy and keeps us living defeated lives. We're often held captive by the fear of man. I believed in God before the most painful moment of my life, but his faithfulness became so much more evident and precious to me in the deepest pits. I think we can get comfortable in our faith and want to live a blessed life But we don't understand that the blessed life is only blessed because of the presence of God. I don't have to worry about whatever pain or hardship is coming. I think I spent so much time in my life saying, God, please just don't ever let this or that happen. You know, I'll be your girl. Right. (laughs) I'll serve you. Yes. But I find (laughs) all the books, the songs I write, I didn't write them in the good times. Mm. I wrote them in the hard places. My God is already there. He's always faithful. He is our sufficiency and will guide us through the valley of the shadow of death and through anything we face. Yeah, you know, shame shows up in numerous ways in our lives. And you actually give us a list that really resonated with me 
um, of the thought processes I myself have, have had. You say these words, ever felt embarrassed just at your own presence, somehow that you're not enough. You don't feel pretty or smart enough. That's shame. Afraid to speak up for fear of being found to be inferior? Shame. Struggling with financial circumstances and feeling less than? Shame. Did you make a mistake that you feel you cannot overcome? Shame. Feel like you have to apologize for having an opinion? Shame. Or maybe it was a heart-wrenching traumatic event that has left you feeling disillusioned and broken. Shame. Shame is more common than many of us even realize. So how would you define shame and what do you think or why do you think that it is so prevalent? Well, you know, shame is an accusation on our souls that says we are not enough. Mm-hmm. And this accusation, I like to tell people, is also our freedom. We're not enough. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. God knows this. God is enough. He's our righteousness. And shame also limits us and defines us with labels we were never meant to wear. Even if we own the shame as in we deserve it, God has removed all of our sin and shame. We were not meant to carry it anymore. Shame defines us according to works. And God is calling us to relationships. The results of shame can be devastating. Shame prevents us from living on mission while we're so preoccupied with what others think about us. Ultimately, we would not have shame if we did not have an audience. Shame is an absorption with self dependent upon a fear of man. It is so prevalent because it hides within the framework of our culture. We don't often recognize its presence. And yet we submit to its presence as if it's protocol or expected. We see this in families where guilt trips and manipulation are high, or even in workplaces or churches where we acquiesce to shame's expectation. Phrases like, you can't do that, or what would people think? Keep people bound in shame. Yeah, you know, those are all feelings that I myself have have had, and I'm sure listeners Um, have experienced them as well. And so in this book, you also say our appearance, position, status, what we do and where we come from could never define us. Yet this world tries to label and place us in boxes that limit us. God has already defined us and given us his identity as his beloved child. And he wants to remove all the shame that you've been carrying around for so long. Let go of shame and adopt God's perspective for you instead. So what steps can you can listeners take uh, to adopt this new perspective and develop healthy thinking patterns? Great question. You know, we have an identity crisis today. Yeah. We have our identity in things, in our mistakes, in so many things. We run to other means or mechanisms or even people to try and find our identity. Maybe if we perform well enough, that's that was my camp you know, we'll find our significance. Or maybe we give in to the brokenness and choose a victim mentality. These methods all leave us confused about who we are in Christ. But we can ask God to help us to see ourselves as he sees us. We can ask him to reveal what is holding us back from accepting his acceptance of us. It might be rejection or sin. But no false identity can keep us from our rightful identity unless we let it. 
we can be in his word so we can see his perspective. Mm. So one of the subjects that you also tackle in Shame Off You is overcoming the traps of vanity and other people's opinions. In a world of social media, this is really difficult. So how do you suggest that we do this? Very difficult. And, you know, I think about the burden our kids have uh, today. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I had my kids didn't have phones until they were like 16, may have been the earliest, 17, 18. Even then I had the passwords. (laughs) It is so hard. Uh, And it's because it's ultimately idolatry. Vanity, like you said, is a stronghold in our culture and our whole culture is bowed down to it. But the real root is pride. Mm. A biblical lens I share in Shame Off You guides the reader through a self-examination through truth, humility, and grace. We have to be willing to examine ourselves and shame without being put off by it. And that's hard because pride automatically, if someone tries to shame you, what's our first response? You can't say that about me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hide that. But Our flesh wants to hide shame, but that doesn't extinguish it. Mm. Getting rid of vanity and man's opinion requires seeing deep truths rather than just going through life. Examining ourselves through God's word and accountability with others helps us to overcome superficial identities. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That is such an authentic place to be. And I think when we combat vanity with just being real about, hey, we're not enough. God, please examine me. But we have to continually be in his presence to do that. And you actually on your website, you have a, a shame quotient test that listeners can can actually take and I'll include the link to that in the show notes so that if they are thinking gosh am I is this something that I'm dealing with or battling with that that they can take that test and and sort of get some answers and be led in the right direction yes it was actually kind of hilarious when, when I came up with that and people started to take it and they'd come back saying oh I'm you know engulfed in shame I'm right. <laughs> the different titles and I thought oh gosh wait I don't want people to be shamed by it. but no the purpose is to reveal that we all have some level of shame we may try to say we don't we just don't recognize it in our lives as shame yeah or, or we're calling it by a different name maybe exactly yeah. well so there is a difference between conviction and condemnation how do you differentiate between the two Yes. So condemnation is based on performance and works. Conviction is based on a relationship with God. Condemnation is an accusation. It labels us and offers no hope. This is played out when people put other people in a box. You know, that person is this. Conviction is an invitation. Will we let ourselves be examined by God? Will we humbly accept what we need to and pick up God's grace instead. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier about Lord, search me, you know, know my heart. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he does, and he, and, but he will convict us to lead us back into the right direction. So, yes. so you also say that like Adam and Eve, we often hide shame, but hiding never heals it. Left unintended, shame can develop into a crippling reality that paralyzes us. 
Like an infectious disease, shame impacts everyone, but not all shame is bad. So what leads you to this conclusion, Denise? Well, first off, we do know that the fig leaves didn't work out too well for Adam. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. Didn't last long. <laughs> but, you know, if shame makes us aware of sin in our lives, it is a gift. It is how we deal with shame that makes the difference. This is where the biblical lens and tools and shame off you help guide the reader through shame without being crippled by it. Shame humbles us. That's not a bad thing. But when shame turns into the toxic poison of accusation and labeling, it can paralyze its victims. Shame is ultimately a tool of the enemy, you know, our accuser. It is so different from conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, it says in John 16, verse 8, to bring us to repentance and redemption. The shame off you cycle of redemption reveals this in my book. God does not want his people in bondage to sin or its shame. He died to set us free. You know, I love the tie-in of your two books that you've written, Letting Go of Shame, and then the other side of that, Clinging to Hope. So practically speaking, how do we release yesterday's guilt and how do we hold on to God's promises instead? That's a great question. You know, yesterday's guilt is based on our ability to uphold and fulfill the law. God knew we could not fully obey, so he paid our sin debt and bore our shame. The Bible says he did so with joy in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. He showed us how to disregard shame, too, if you read in verse 2 of that. It's one of my favorite verses. Do we believe God's word? This is how we let go of shame and guilt. God bore it all and fulfilled the righteous demands of his perfect law on our behalf. Then he gave us promises to cling to. God's promises are undeserved, but they are certain. At the hardest times, it was all I could do to rise and pursue God and his precious promises. When our hope is in the here and now, we will be disappointed. I like how John Piper talks about, uh, he's a renowned theologian and pastor. He shares on a concept called superior pleasure. We have a superior pleasure in the hope to come that far surpasses any temporal suffering now. And we can ask God to help our unbelief when our trials overwhelm us. Yeah, that is, that's something good to cling to for sure. So as we close, I always like to ask my guests, um, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Is there somebody that comes to mind that has been an extraordinary giver for you in your life? So this sounds like such a Sunday school answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) But the answer is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, he is the one who spoke his word to me, saved me. I mean, he saved me in my bedroom. And this is actually from a prophetic dream I even had at five years old. He's the one who's placed it on people's heart to help me as well. He's given me peace, joy, salvation, a precious family. He's opened my eyes to see and know truth, to know him. He's restored my life. He's healed me. He has given me a hope that nothing can extinguish. And friends listening today, God wants to give you these things too. This abundant life is not just for me or others. God can help you to rise above the mess in your life and find true, lasting hope. 
Yeah. You are such an inspiration and I could listen to your voice all day long. <laughs> Please, Lord. <laughs> so I want to just, um, would you tell listeners how they can keep in contact with you, purchase your music, which alluding back to your voice again, and then, and then your books, how can we, how can we keep in touch with you and purchase some of these products? So the main website is denisepass.com. Um, I am on all the major like book retailers, you know, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. I do have several vendors on my website as well. Um, you also can find, you know, black and white podcast.org, um, and shame off life are other resources I have out there. And I'd love to keep in touch with people on social media. Um, Facebook, you know, I'm on there. Uh, Denise Dubois pass is my author page. Um, and this sounds prideful. <laughs> it really isn't. It's just, there's other Denise passes in the world. <laughs> right. So, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, those are both the Denise pass and, uh, Facebook. There's some groups on there. Seeing deep is one group, uh, that I just started and shame off you. Well, after hearing your testimony and your story, I know that, um, listeners will want to connect with you. And I just, honestly, I appreciate how transparent you have been and how much biblical truth that you have shared in today's episode. And um, just for bringing this topic of shame to the light. And I pray that it brings listeners out of their own hiding and into their own Mm. healing. Well, thank you, Rachel. I pray that as well. And it's been a joy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. God bless you. Bye. God bless you too. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time. Thank you.